Hi there, and welcome to this Myopia Profile podcast on progressive versus bifocal spectacles. You're listening to Kate Gifford, co-founder of Myopia Profile, an international myopia nerd of mystery. Actually, I'm not really about any mystery at all. I'm actually all about making it easy and simple, which is what you'll find here on the website and in the Facebook discussion group. But international myopia nerd of simplicity didn't have the same ring to it. Anyway, let's get started on the fascinating question of progressive versus bifocal spectacles. And this is a fascinating question, which takes into account the results of individual studies, differential optics, and practical aspects of kids wearing glasses. Here's my take on it. Overall, progressive edition lens studies for myopia control have shown quite unimpressive results when single ads are applied to all children. These results have been in the order of less than 20% efficacy. However, when these results have been examined in children with esophoria and accommodative lag, the results become more impressive at around 40% efficacy, starting to approach that of the contact lens studies. One extremely well-designed study of ESEG bifocal lenses with a plus two ad and two basin prism in each eye showed an even more impressive result over two years of around 40% efficacy for the bifocal wearers and over 50% for the bifocal with prism wearers. Does this mean that basin prism is some sort of magic source? Maybe, or maybe it was more that it helped to maintain normal binocularity when using a high ad on children with exophoria. So think about these kids with the plus two ad. Esophores love an ad. Orthophores could probably take it or leave it, but the exophores with a plus two ad and the basin prism showed better maintenance of normal binocular vision than with the ad alone. Now this bifocal study was also well constructed in that all of the children entering the study were confirmed progressors, demonstrating at least one doctor of progression in the past year. This is good study design. If you make sure that your control group is actually progressing, your intervention is likely to be more powerful. But even so, this was an impressive result and shows that there is some role for spectacle lenses in our myopia management toolkit. Now there is conjecture about progressive and bifocal spectacles having any useful effects for myopia control, just the same as there's excellent studies debunking peripheral refraction as a factor in myopia development and progression. There's as much conjecture for both of these theories. And for the individual patient, there could be one primary driver to myopia development and progression. It could be genetics, environment, peripheral refraction, accommodation, or it could be a combination. This is what makes myopia such a fascinating area of research and clinical practice. Individual studies of progressive and bifocal spectacle lenses for myopia control have all employed one single ad and one single lens type to all children. Now in practice, we take a much more specific approach to the individual, and perhaps this is where the variability lies between what we see in research and what we see in practice. There are also notable studies showing that managing esophoria and underactive accommodation appears to sort of power up the myopia control effects of bifocal soft contact lenses and ortho-K. So it's an oversimplification to say that accommodation and hence spectacles have nothing to do with the myopia picture. We shouldn't throw spectacle lens options out of the toolkit. And for children with esophoria and accommodative lag, we can rightly presume that a significant myopia control effect can be achieved with progressives or bifocals. And these are the conditions that tend to be ones for which we would prescribe an ad anyway. Now, if you want a bit more specific advice on prescribing ads for accommodative lag or esophoria, check out my relevant how-to guides on the website with links in the summary below. 
So in clinical practice, we've decided on our ad and we're now deciding between progressives and bifocals. Which should we choose? While the bifocal study I described earlier has shown the most impressive myopia control effects, I don't believe it's actually quite as simple as the bifocal being the hero. It was a very well-designed study and binocular vision was considered through inclusion of the basin prism. So there's some belief with bifocals that the large field of inferior myopic defocus created by the ad, which is cast onto the superior retina, is the magic source of bifocals. However, the superior and inferior retina don't follow the same pattern of relative peripheral refraction as that measured along the horizontal retina. In fact, the vertical meridian tends to show relative peripheral myopia, whereas the horizontal meridian is the one that shows relative peripheral hyperopia. Ugh, you getting confused? Don't be, don't worry about getting confused, because as you know about me, I like to make things simple for you. The simple message is at this stage, I don't think we know enough to say that bifocals are superior to progressives. So let's focus back on the patient in your chair and the practical considerations of how they'll use their glasses. The great thing about bifocals is that the child gets straight into their full ad as soon as they look down through that near seg. The bad thing is that the ad is all or nothing. So if the frame starts to slip down or they look above the line to read, they completely miss out on the ad. Cosmesis may also be a decision-making concern in older children. Now the great thing about progressive lenses is that the child will be getting at least some of their ad when they're in down gaze, regardless of where the frame is sitting, and cosmesis isn't a concern. The bad thing is that adaptation is harder, although I'd safely say that kids do better at this than my adult progressive lens wearers. It's worth considering a shorter corridor lens for kids to help them get down into that ad as soon as possible. They don't need that intermediate zone like a presbyope does. So do consider extended focus or kid-specific designs. An example is Essilor's Myopilux legs, lens, which helps to maximize the use of the ad. Now there's not a lot of new research on progressive or bifocal lens myopia control as everyone's moved on to the exciting contact lens and pharmacological options now. But we still need spectacles in our toolkit for the children who aren't suitable or aren't ready for contact lenses. And if you're considering atropine as a first-line therapy, your patients may need an ad to help with the accommodation side effects of treatment. While it has been concluded that 0.01% atropine only reduces accommodative amplitude by two to three diopters in kids, therefore not affecting accommodation, we don't actually know yet what it does to accommodative lag or to the balance between accommodation and vergence. We don't understand those fine measures of accommodation, so it is something that you should assess and manage. So what else might we be doing in the near future for our non-contact lens suitable young myops? The most exciting new development in spectacle lens technology for myopia control has recently come out of Hong Kong Polytechnic University. The Defocus Incorporated Multiple Segments or DIMS spectacle lens was recently awarded the grand prize at the International Exhibition of Inventions in Geneva. This lens is designed to use the simultaneous defocus principles of a contact lens, but to overcome the issue of eye movement behind a spectacle lens. Now in our contact lens corrections, we can rely on a stable optical profile being cast on the retina once the lens is on, because the lens doesn't move around. But we can't do this with a spectacle lens. Well, we couldn't until the DIMS lens came along. So surrounding a small distant central zone of only 10mm diameter, beyond that the DIMS lens is covered 50% with plus 350 ad lenslets 
microns in diameter like a fly's eye, while the other 50% is the distance power. With the appearance of a single vision lens, when looking away from the optical center, any viewing field of the lens will then be 50% occupied by the distance correction and 50% occupied by the plus 350 ad lenslets. It's ingenious stuff, and it's shown about a 60% efficacy in a two-year study. Now, this lens was developed in collaboration with Hoya, who are aiming to have it released in some Asian markets in the second half of 2018, with wider market release likely in 2019. You can read more about the DIMS lens in the links below and in the summary text. Personally, I can't wait to see how a lens like this influences binocular vision function, but I'm a big BV nerd like that. So once you've diagnosed myopia, the myopia management discussion will pretty much always start with spectacles, as this is the first correction for a child and a parent who aren't ready for contact lenses. It's always useful to describe the efficacy comparison between spectacles and contact lenses, firstly to explain that single vision corrections aren't our first choice, and secondly to encourage a patient and their parent towards contact lens options if they're on the fence. Some children will never be ready or suitable for contact lenses, and certain refraction or binocular vision presentations can also lend themselves better to spectacle correction. And you can read more about these cases in the summary and links below. So to wrap it up, if your patient has a significant binocular vision disorder to control, especially esophoria and accommodative lag, progressives and bifocals are an evidence-based prescribing choice. Which should you pick? Either are likely to do the job, it depends very much on the child in your chair. If their binocular vision is perfect though, then new innovations like the DIMS lens might be your first choice in future. Now a summary of the key points from this podcast is below, including a bunch of useful links for further reading. Thanks for listening.